0: Hello everybody and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. It's a great privilege to be able to greet you on this first day in November and All Saints Day which I think is a, is a good designation for each of us as we begin this, what we have traditionally followed by what we felt was a directive from the Lord to honor a different uh, dimension of uh, the fivefold offices the, the mind of Christ for this month and the subsequent five months leading up to our March seminar so this month is the month of the teacher aptly uh, placed since in one week uh, a team from the network will be beginning ministry in well, actually traveling and uh, on on one week from now to many different churches and locations in Brazil. And um, we primarily want to release the word to impart to people, but primarily to establish the structure for building the army of the saints in that great country and continent and to make disciples you know that's, that's always one thing that uh, kind of baffled me growing up because you know a lot of uh, a lot of terms in Christian circles um, really are homogenized into a standard definition and um, it you know like disciples that's not the same thing as being born again because you have to be born again you must be born again but then whether you become a disciple or not of the Lord is a different thing are you receiving his training are you following his teachings are you representing him or are you just kind of living a good life and you get in trouble you pray and you hope God's noticing that you're doing the big three you're reading the Bible you're going to church and you're waiting for the rapture oh of course when you go to church you have to tithe Um, and then you be a good person so that people will see that being a Christian is more than just a word. but disciples are something totally different. Yes, they can be those things that I just mentioned. but you have to you have to be diligent to understand what the word says um, and to then be willing to be, continually guided into all truth by the Spirit of the Lord and then to actually represent the message so anyway um, this month of the teacher really is an important one first of all we want to keep being taught by the Spirit of the Lord and to understand more and more of his word that's a desperation and we recognize that so much of that is fueled and empowered by our times of intercession, which are necessary to, to know God, to have the development of the Spirit of God within us, and um, to really become what he put us on this earth to do as individuals. So, we welcome the, the gift of the teacher We welcome the gift of understanding those things that God wants for us to see that we've not yet discovered in the Word. And we really need his strategy as to how to be the teachers, the makers of disciple that we're supposed to be. And of course, you know, there's no carte blanche. Um, there's there's no thing that we do that's just the same everywhere. Yeah, we pray. Yeah, we honor the, the word. Yes, those things are true. We should do those everywhere. But um, if any teacher will tell you, well, I don't want to say any teacher, but a good teacher will tell you that sometimes you have to consider what the student needs in the way of, of their learning it's been a, it's a little bit difficult for us as saints because God is continually giving us the meat of his word and we are doing our best to understand it and to study to show ourselves approved regarding it and then to bring it bring it out to those that should be receiving it and when that happens you don't you don't really have the opportunity to to dumb it down or to chew it up for people or to put it in a bottle you know you're you're just getting the word strong meat belongs to people that will do something with it But when you then take those concepts, you want to have the strategy of the Lord as to how to apply them into people's lives and into places that the Spirit has selected that you have responsibility for. And it's different to, it's the same message, but it's a different approach, for instance, in Brazil than it is here. Uh, it's a different approach in France than it is in Brazil. Um, you have to consider the various levels of of understanding that are uh, in present in the, the people that you're sent to. And then, you know, I've noticed this. People, we know this just in the natural. I mean, if you were just among a group of Americans... There's a lot of different ways that people think. You know, it's always astounded me. You would, I I, in the past, I remember when we taught about fivefold. Initially, from the perspective of, this is how God thinks, and the the covenants that He made with people. Um, there were some people that just at the very beginning. Just were stumped by it. I don't get it. And I, I'm perplexed by that because 80% of the people around them got it very clearly. And I'm thinking, what is it that I'm not saying? Or what is it that I am saying that's causing such a stumbling block for you? And I remember then, it must have been two years later, in one in one of our seminars, we... We were doing some different things, and we had multiple sessions going on at the same time. And one of the um, pastors that we asked to teach uh, specifically on fivefold thought taught. And this person who initially was stumped by it went up to this pastor and said, "Oh, where did you get that? I, I it, it's clear now." And the pastor said, well, it's here in this booklet that, that we all got at the beginning. And it, it that story just resonates with me because I'm thinking, who, what, if for whatever reason, this person initially couldn't or wouldn't understand things. Somehow, somebody's saying it in just a little bit of a different way, or maybe it was the person themselves. Who was, who was not threatening to that person opened the door for them but it was the same message it was even the same manual and I, I'm stunned by that so during this month of the teacher we need the strategy of the Lord we need an anointing that God would send freshly to cause people to grasp these many years of understandings and to apply them immediately. I believe God can do that. Oh, why didn't he do it at the very beginning with all of us? Just make it easy. Because somebody has to mine, mine the treasures of the deep things of God. Somebody has to honestly pay the price of seeking hard after God. And there is a price um some of the things that we that we just take for granted today in our society as they were being invented, the sacrifices of the people who invented them to discover how this could possibly be are are, are just phenomenal. You study about inventiveness and discovery, and um, you you look and you say, "Boy, I I don't know that I would have had the perseverance to discover this thing or that thing." Uh, and and we certainly know that it's it's a challenge to me uh, on an ongoing basis because I think we. We've been given so much, and there's more coming. Um, How how can we make this plain to the various groups that we're we're going to? And there's not one right answer, because people think differently. Just like in the fivefold, all the ingredients could be there, but one individual at a table. Could attribute and reasonably so what each of those five dimensions are that are before them. And somebody sitting a few feet away will also be pursuing the fivefold with the proper understandings and definitions and apply things differently. Which is why I don't, it was difficult at the beginning when we were teaching because you'd get up and you'd try to display, okay. What is the main objective? This is the apostolic directive. This is the point of the spear or the arrow. And then what are the contributing factors with the other four? We know how this works. And some people would say, Well, I thought this was evangelistic, while well, somebody said, Well, I thought this was pastoral. Well, no, I thought this was the teacher, but it really is it, it really is the prophet and and People just how do you get that? How did you get that? And I'm thinking, we'll use the illustration of people in a kitchen, two different cooks to make an apple pie, even how they measure how they dis, how they uh, accumulate the ingredients, where, where they want to sit them. and, and even some nuances of how, how they would do this or that. the, the end result, is an apple pie. They may taste a little bit different, but somehow you got flour in there. Somehow you got apples in there. Some you, Somehow, cover your ears, you have sugar in there. in um, the crust, how did the crust get there? How did you make that crust? It's all the same, but it's different with one person to the next. And sometimes discerning, sometimes you go into places and you know, like there's a church in Brazil, wonderful people. God has given us amazing favor and they, they, they're accountable to us. They say this because God has done it. And even the simplest things, I look out and I think these are good people but just looking at them i wonder how much education have you had in your life have you learned how to study and so if i glean that they've not done that then how how do i approach them some of these places when they've gone to church they get just get yelled at or Everything's about energy and excitement and experience, whether it's based on scripture or not. Or maybe they they've never been taught to read the scripture. And they don't know Matthew from Malachi, even though they're side by side. You talk about even the simplest things, the old covenant, the new covenant. That's totally, it might be a Martian coming down and speaking to them backwards in Martian language. (laughs) I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that, you know, you can see one of the reasons Jesus would illustrate with parables for the people that were there, yes, but another beauty of the parables is ...that we can see those same things and derive a benefit from them. Um, but Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew he could perceive. He knew whether there were Pharisees and Sadducees in the room. So did the Apostle Paul. He knew um, whether there were Romans there. He knew whether there were um, scribes and doctors of the law and he tried to approach things in a way that would get the point across to those people. Now, it doesn't mean that the point actually got across. You know? And, um, but we, we definitely need the strategies and, and we need people that will receive the anointing and the calling and the devotion To begin to develop these topics, to put them in Portuguese or Brazilian Portuguese, and to uh, be willing to start teaching them. Because I can tell you what's not going to happen. Everybody wants a saint from the US to come and teach them. Everybody wants, and I'll just say it, you know. Oh, Pastor, will you come? And it could be saying the same about any of the other team of of quality teachers and anointed people in the network. Well, I, I need to go where the Lord says to go. And just because you ask me doesn't mean I'm coming because it can't be everywhere. You know, you, you've got responsibilities in other ways. And um, so we need... We definitively need this message to be taught in the Koine, the language of the people, by them. You know, that they, that they know the message and they're not conflating it with other things. That, that they will speak it in their language. And not only in their language, but in the idioms of their language. You know, I, I'll just say this. It'll cover the ears of any little kids that are there. I was told recently that in Brazil, like if we go and we say, we're very excited to be here. Well, we say that. You would say that. But for them, they do the two-step, trying to figure out a word to say other than excited, because in their idiom, that has a sexual connotation only. So, if I get up and say, "I'm excited to be here," oh, that that may not be what I want to communicate. But for me, yeah, it's kind of like when when uh, we were in France one time and Monica Terrell was teaching, and she mentioned the Great Commission, and Luke said, "I cannot, I cannot say that," and we wondered why, and and. You know, but we found out that that in France meant something else. And it applies to a parent potty training their child. So, the Great Commission, which is in English, go ye in all the world, um, is, is not what you would want to say in French. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? So, it's important for the people there to know the message and to and to speak it, um, I I'm just um, I'm amazed. I, I'm amazed by the the various uh, um, dimensions of what what needs to be done to reach people. And I I pray that that God will um, that God will give us His favor, give us His anointing, give us His wisdom, and that He'll raise up people who will become what He needs for them to be, not only in South America, but in the rest of the world. So, anyway, the month of the teacher. I didn't mean to say all that, obviously. I do have a message. I do want to remind our congregation here in Dallas that we're going to be praying tonight here at the sanctuary at six o'clock. Love to see you here. Whether you can be here or not, I know that some people aren't off work or where they get off work it would take them a long time to get here in rush hour traffic and they may not be able to be here at six I I understand that but wherever you are whether you're here in Dallas or anywhere in the Saints Network let's pray on this Saints Day and let's um, a lot of things going on but the Spirit knows exactly what we need to to be praying And uh, that's the beauty of Diversities of Tongues. Also, this coming Saturday is First Saturday. The directive has been prepared. And I'm sure it will be coming into your e-box at some point. Soon. I don't send that to you. So if you haven't gotten it in the next hour or two, I'm not saying it's being sent then. Don't write me and say, I didn't get it. It'll get there. Just the point is, be ready to pray this Saturday. All right. We want to talk a lot of things going on in Israel, in Jerusalem. We continue to pray for uh, God's will in this these end times to be done and not circumvented or changed at uh, the times. Uh, we we want to accomplish what God wants in His mysteries in this in this time frame, but it it might be um, it might be a good thing to um, it it might be a good thing to just consider peace from another viewpoint, a biblical viewpoint, but another viewpoint that's that's there. And I believe that it is an essential viewpoint when we talk about peace. And there's a lot of verses that we could launch into, but let's uh, let's use as our diving board 1 Chronicles 29:19. Now this is David praying for his son Solomon. And it says in 1 Chronicles 29, 19, Give to Solomon, my son, a perfect heart. And that word, perfect, is Salem. To keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, and to do all these things, and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. Perfect heart. Salem what does that mean and then you're going to keep commandments which would be the basis of what you know God has said testimonies the things that you've seen him do in you so that you remember those it's so easy to forget them and your statutes those things that you put in place not tradition but Practical, tactical um, things that you must do in order to keep these other things working the way they should. What would be an example of a statute? Well, let's just talk about prayer, okay? Um, commandments. You're, you're supposed to be praying. The Bible tells us that, and the various dimensions of prayer we've learned. We we have a lot of experience with what has happened when we've prayed, how God has revealed things, how God, how's God has shown himself. And then you have statutes, hey, even though I know I'm supposed to pray, even though I've got a history of prayer, I still have to do it. So for me, I better be praying, maybe every morning. If, if you don't make a regimen If you just leave it to the will of the wisp or anytime I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I'll pray. You're not going to pray because other things will press in. And so, really, those three things make sense for us. It's not tradition. It's function. It's a function on the basis of divine understanding and partnership. But what is it? about the perfect heart. Well, we know that the heart from what we've studied, I say it it's the steering wheel of our life. It's that we have submitted our mind based upon our spirit and we've submitted our emotions. We've submitted all these other factors that influence our lives to one goal And that would be our heart. How we have determined this vehicle of our life is going to go. And David asked for Solomon to have a perfect heart. Now, we've studied about the heart, we've talked about God giving Saul another heart those teachings are out there. If you've been paying attention over the past few years, you've heard them. And if you've forgotten them, you need to revisit them on archives. Where are they, Pastor? I don't know. I don't have a chronology of when I spoke on what, or when other people have, but you can peruse that and you can, you can find them. But the perfect is what we want to talk about. And that's Salem. And, and there are, there are several aspects of Salem that are in 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 derivatives of this theme, but this this instance really speaks about being um, whole, being complete. It's it's after you have known the Shalom of God, where you have partnered with Him, you've gained His victory, and you've come back celebrating that He has given you triumph and He's given you a victory, Um, then you find yourself in a place of, well, triumph. What do you do there? What do, you, what do you do there? Um, and it's what you do there that will determine whether you grow and develop in God. It's, it's that point of success, as we've said, in movements and in denominations is the greatest enemy that will be faced because people don't often know what to do when they've gained victory it's like they don't know how to handle themselves you know when you're engaged in battle or you're driving toward a goal you get to the goal and you are happy the fruits of your labors are there but it's there that you are in most challenging position like we came back from world war ii in the united states you know chicken in every pot two cars in a garage or one car in a garage two cars in the garage Um, interstate highways the eisenhower project being built across our country uh, based upon what our troops saw with the audubon in germany And uh, how neat would that be? And we were helping to rebuild allies, countries that were destroyed during war. Great! Well, what happened next? We didn't know how to handle our victory. And by the 60s, children of privilege, who didn't know what the greatest generation had sacrificed coming out of the Depression and then the Great War, They thought that life was just this way. And they began to teach socialistic doctrines in universities. The Vietnam War didn't help. Uh, Korea started it and then Vietnam continued it. And then we didn't learn anything. You know, the industrial military base, which Eisenhower warned about. You can read that speech if you want when he was leaving office. He warned about the militaristic base. There's money to be made there. And so we just got in wars or started supplying people with weapons. We did not do what we should have done with the peace that we had been granted, unprecedented peace. Oh, yes, we formed the nation of Israel. Great, great. We should have done that. We should stand with Israel. But we didn't do jack with the people who wanted to destroy him in fact we lined their coffers full of oil money i mean this is not a socio political discussion i've made it that but we we didn't know what to do with the freedoms and the victory that we had it it destroyed us you know it's alexander was just dis- destroyed in himself because there were no more worlds to conquer what do you do you know what what do you do You you build bigger barns and you you then become destroyed. Um, So, peace is the absence of the enemy that you defeated. But then, peace has a requirement. Solomon came in based upon the sacrifices that David had made but David also didn't know what to do with peace how, why do you say that pastor didn't he establish Jerusalem yeah remember the passage at a time when kings go forth, forth the war David was in Jerusalem he didn't know what to do with himself he didn't know how to manage the victories and the peace that he was achieving and he got into the Bathsheba mess. Then Solomon, he he starts moving with this perfect heart. And he's got the goal of establishing the temple. And oh my goodness, the people are excited. Blessings there. Wisdom is coming. God is showing him how to go in and go out. Nations are coming, marveling at his wisdom. And then the Bible says that. Um, in 1 kings 11:4 that perfect heart that solomon had now was not perfect it says that his wives led him in to debauchery and the demonic he didn't know how to deal with success He didn't know how to build upon the victories that God has given. One of the key things that we know about this particular variation of Salem is in Psalm 76 too, an Asaph word. In Salem, same derivation, is the tabernacle. Whenever you are in victory, you have to be preparing the tabernacle to go forth. If you don't, you're not going to really be functioning in the way of that victory that God has given you as a foundation. And this is is very, very interesting. So, in fact, that's why David... Prayed that template. We've taught on this before. Let the tabernacle make the way for the temple. And then Solomon prayed the same template, only he switched it. Let this temple prepare the way for the tabernacles. Look it up for yourself. It's there. But if you rest on your laurels, the laurels become your tombstone. You know, it. We were great here when God was downpouring his spirit and the honeymoon phase of God establishing the saints and the saints network and, you know, all these wonderful things, the angelic ministries, understanding the things of heaven uh, that God revealed from his scripture, uh, understanding the deeper things of the word, uh, seeing the nations open, going forth, coming in, having people come. It's great. But as pastor here, how's that affected some? Are are we still honoring the um, are we still honoring the the commandments, the testimonies, and the statutes? Are we are we still functioning with the fervor of our calling in the midst of blessing. See, that's, that's a challenge in anything in life. You, you've got to enjoy the blessing of the Lord and give Him thanks. That's the principle of the spirit of truth and sonship. You've got to reflect on what God has given, but then you've got to be looking forward to the new. And you shouldn't need somebody behind you prodding you or convicting you or encouraging you or patting you on the back or showing you favor for you to be a mighty man. You know, all those guys in the cave of Adullam with David had skins on the wall. Those walls were jammed with skins. They didn't need David walking around giving him a pep talk all the time. In fact, some of them, the Belial guys were ready to stone David. David had to encourage himself in the Lord. Do you know how to do that? This is the big challenge for us. Success is often the enemy of continued victory. And that's this principle of Salem. In fact, Genesis 14:18 after Abram put together uh, a small SWAT team of those are my that's my phrase of servants and interested parties to go and deliver lot um, remember then Melchizedek king of righteousness also king of Salem it's this word comes and says blessed be Abraham. Uh, possessor of heaven and earth, friend of the Most High. Melchizedek had benefited from Abram, Abraham foiling this enemy um, alliance. And he comes and he recognizes that Abram knew God, knew the God of the high places, was dealing with the jealousy of God and Abram Knew how to bring things to a point of victory and completion. Yeah, I know the business about Isaac and you know his idiocy with Hagar and the Ishmael and you know why for didst thou laugh? I know all that story. But Abram called those things that be not as though they are. He walked in faith. He he. He's got a pretty good track record. He kept his eyes on the, on the focus of what God had called him to do. Melchizedek recognized that. The king of Salem, this derivative, comes. And so, um, this is just a very important thing for us to be believing for in these days because I don't mind telling you it's like plowman and reaper. We're we here. I can just this is my church's broadcast. The Saints network, we love you. You're we're allies. We're part of each other. We're in the family, but I can speak for myself here. It's difficult to be following an apostolic calling for the world and also having to be a pastor you hope that your people are I'm the leader which way did they go you hope that your people don't have to be cajoled and prodded and I, I've seen the enemy's strategy he 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 over the years took out a lot of our our middle group of the mighty men here the drill sergeants and in fact in some ways he used them to corrupt others when they, when they lost their fervor, but you, you can't, you can't be looking forward to obey the Lord if you're wondering, is anybody following? And, and I don't know how to stir people when you're called to be mighty men. I, I, I just expect them to be mighty men. And, and I, we have a good congregation here, but, um, we're a remnant, and I I believe that God is um, God is calling us to really observe what it means to function effectively in peace. And, and peace, this derivative of peace is from the standpoint of coming into wholeness where you've done what you're supposed to do, you've triumphed through the Lord and from that perspective you then must look forward you must send forth the tabernacles but at the same time you've got to keep your own passion it's the same way in relationships you know I feel sorry for people that have to keep it's kind of like a, there was a movie I saw, and I don't remember which one it was, and there was this this demanding this, this young bride and she'd gotten married and you know her, she was in love with her husband, her husband was in love with her and, but he had to go out on a cattle drive and she just didn't know how to handle the fact that he wasn't there doting on her. And an older lady in the house said, how many times does he have to win your love? And it's a difficult thing to keep the fires of passion with the Lord or anywhere else burning when you already have the blessing of the union. You already are seeing the victory. It's it's around you. What do you do to preserve that? Now, Here's another factor with this. Because this word, this derivative, Salem, that David asked for Solomon to have in his heart, and the, the people, before David was, a, was pronounced king, the Bible says they came to Hebron with a perfect heart. Same word. They recognized that this was what God had given, and now let's consummate it, and let's let's then build off from here. Um, but to preserve that, it's kind of like that famous speech Abraham Lincoln made. Uh, he had to go and supervise a, a dedication of a school, and they raised the flag, and he said, my job is to be here to affirm the raising of this flag. It's your job to keep it up. <laughs> how, how can you do that? It's like Ben Franklin talked about, yeah, it's great that we formed this republic. Now the big question is, can we keep it? We see that around us, don't we? So here is this word Salem, and it's used in a very strange place. Now, stick with me, okay? Stick with me. When Moses in Deuteronomy 11.29, what is that, Pastor? Deuteronomy 11.29, he said, through the Lord, when the people go into the land, you need to have uh, half your people on Gerizim for blessing and half on Ebal for cursing and this was in the area of the basically the the valley the plains of Shechem those two miles or so that separated those two mountains and where this word that we've been looking at comes in was that and, and then Joshua repeated this same thing uh, after Ai in Joshua 8.31. So, stick with me now. The place of cursing on Ebal was where they built the altar. And they, God said, you need to build the altar there on the Mount of Cursing. With stones that are Salem, you've not, you've not masoned them, you've not perfected them in any way, you've not polished them. You find these stones, and they are Salem stones. They're perfect in themselves. And then Joshua wrote the names of the tribes on there, and the, the Ten Commandments on there, but that altar was on the Mount of Cursing. Now, Ebal means to wear out, basically the place of barrenness, and it the derivative off of it is iniquity, Avon. And so you have people there at an altar, pronouncing the cursings, but on Gerizim, the place of, you know, that word is not as picturesque in its meaning, but it it means to divide up. That's just a loose translation. Over there, they're, they're pronouncing blessing. Why did God have the Salem stone and the altar On the mountain, that means iniquity, wearing out, barrenness. Because when God gives you his covenant, and you are dealing from a basis of victory, you're identified as a victor in the Lord. Your name is there. You have the word there. And you you build that foundational altar based upon the victory that God has given us. If you are not then aiming yourself toward the next point of victory, the next point where iniquity is turned to purpose, you're going to be defeated. Now, what happened over in Gerizim where they're pronouncing blessing? A um, few hundred years later, Alexander the Great allowed the northern kingdom to build their temple on Gerizim. And it became a real challenge, a competing place between there and Jerusalem. But the point for us initially in this discussion, we're going to develop it a little bit further. You could even look at it and think about the various tribal leaders that were on one mountain or another. I've done that, and you can. it's kind of like the fivefold. You can see, okay, why did God have these guys here and these guys here? Why were they on these? Play with that, but don't lose the essence of what we're saying here. When God gives you victory and you have an altar of victory in him, it's going to have to be put in a position where you're looking to then see his purpose come in a new way. If you just focus on blessing, you're going to be defeated, which is essentially what happened to the northern Kingdom now the the whole issue of shechem anyway you know what what's there in between these mountains the plain of shechem just quickly let's let's consider how this became perverted in the valley as it were genesis 12:6 abram comes into the land for the first time and he establishes himself as the in the in the oak at an oak, the oaks represent authority, the oaks of Shechem, and this is the, the oaks of Moreh, you do realize that, so it was a place of authority for Abram, Abraham, God met with him there, and it was victorious. Well, then the next thing you see is his grandson, Jacob, comes rolling through. Genesis 35, 4, I don't know whether it's the same tree or the same grove, but he's gathering up idols and earrings that are devoted to idols, and he's burying them under an oak in Shechem. So there you have the perversion of the one true God and it's, it's nestled there under the place where you're supposed to be having authority in this very location. Then you have Joshua coming in and he comes to this place and he gets a stone of covenant and he puts it under a giant oak in this place. And then the last one is, you come to the days of the judges, Judges 9.37. And the crazy story of them electing a king whose name was Abimelech, and then Jotham goes to Gerizim and he declares that unique parable of the trees who will rule over us and then finally they decide that the bramble will rule over them. And this is there's a term there that's used in that story that calls this area the oaks of the sorcerers, the oaks of the um, of those that see into the spirit realm. Um, the oaks of, um, it, it's a strange, it's a strange word. It's myon, I, I, it's the tongue twister, myonanim. But it, it basically means those that pervert the seer's gift, but it's the oaks of that. And through that then they determine this Abimelech guy's, guy's going to be king. So not only are the people doing what's right in their own eyes, Now they're partnering with sorcerers to establish who's going to be a king. It's the bramble. All of that is there in Shechem. God has the the mountain of Ebal and Gerizim bordering it. And you know what Shechem means? It really means shoulders. Shoulders. It, it, it means the place of the government. The government will be upon the shoulders. It's, it's there. So if you've got a governing. You've got the oak there that is uh, being grappled with. And you've got the mount of cursing, which is uh, iniquity and wearing down. And that's where the altar is, the altar of your victory. And you, you, you've you, got to be looking, you've got to be warning yourself not to fall into these traps and into these iniquities, but you've got to attack them uh, and you've got to turn them into the purpose that they're supposed to be. The blessing is over on the other side. That in itself is a testament to the goodness of God. But boy, you better preserve that you better preserve that now where else have we heard this like the woman at the well I was searching remember that old hymn fill my cup Lord Faladin says why would you want a cup when you can have a river <laughs> African Proverb 101 here's this Jesus comes to Shechem of all places, and Joseph's bones were brought up out of Egypt and buried in Shechem. This is Jacob's well. Shechem. Here comes the woman at the well, and she starts asking about this. Well, you know, where are we to worship? You know, my ancestors say this mountain, and yours say uh, Jerusalem. And with all that we just said about this place and these mountains, Jesus starts talking about Proscuneo And the Father searching for people who will be on their face, fully committed to God. Not just in this mountain in Jerusalem, but everywhere. Can we separate what Jesus said there simply into the amazing revelation of Proscineo or that for go ye unto all the world where we are? Those are great truths. Oh, thank God for them. But the foundation of that setting And that carefully chosen location is the heart of peace. Now, it's it's kind of interesting that that altar on Ebal had to be from a peace stone, one that was just perfect. You didn't trick it up. Now, when the temple was built by this guy with the perfect heart, they had to perfect the stones before they were brought to be put into the temple. And they weren't allowed to be retrofitting there. You can look that up for yourself. And that only makes sense, with a structure of that majestic proportion, you can search all over the place just for the perfect stones, that temple still wouldn't be have been built. But they weren't able to be adjusting it when they brought it onto site. It had to be done, which is really an architectural miracle, very similar to what we see with the building of the pyramids. Um, some of the archaeological digs, the hieroglyphs that tell how those things were plain before they were sent so that they could just be put in place. It's amazing. Now, what does this say for us? Um, you establish yourself before the Lord. And then if you're going to turn your place of of nuach um, into a menucha. You, you don't just go in and say oh bless God we want the dwelling place of God we're going to have the manuka anointing maybe even some manuka honey and can I have some manuka honey uh, you, you you have to prove yourself before the Lord it's not of works but you have to prove yourself in partnership with Him and, and welcoming Him and doing. that's where you form that stone with God and then you take that and God uses it to build His throne. Do you see that? But you won't get to that point unless you have the perfect heart before that. So, the woman at the well meeting with Jesus, He's basically saying in the New Covenant, if, if you are born again if you're gaining direction by the Heavenly Father, if you're going where He leads you, taking your cross, and you are willing to lay on your face and commit yourself physically, spiritually, mentally, and in the eyes of all the people who would see it, if you're willing to do that, then the government will rest on your shoulders and you'll be a person who can partner with God to turn that place into one in which iniquity is restored to divine purpose. All of that explains how you have a perfect heart. It's not just shaloming everywhere, tooting on your shofar, making proclamations. You know, those guys could have stood up there and released blessing and cursing all day long, but if they didn't have that specific altar of victory, how did they have victory? How did they have victory for Moses to for for Moses to say it and Joshua to do it? What was their victory? Well, do you not see it? They finally entered the land. They yielded themselves at uh, Gilgal. They partnered with the Lord of Hosts for Jericho. They stumbled. Then they gained victory in Ai. And then they went to Ebal and garrison They were in the land of promise. They were beginning. That's That's peace, isn't it? Now, their task had just begun. They had a modicum of success, but they didn't carry it on. You know, the angel comes up after Joshua was dying and says, what what the, hey, what are you doing here? You're not driving the ites out. You know, let's weep a little bit here and let's get after it. Let's baka. let your eyes begin to create the wells. Don't let the don't let the, the oaks of authority become the eyes of the sorcerer. Do you see this? So here we are, going into all the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples, the gospel of the kingdom being preached to all the world, and then comes um, the end. We We've been given great victories, but is the victory still in your heart? Oh, it would be, but we just don't have anything exciting at the church anymore. Oh, it would be, but Pastor hasn't given me any position. Oh, it would be, but you know, you know these other places, you know they—they're really tricking it up, and uh, boy, it seems like they're blowing and going. Isn't it amazing that the mountain of blessing, where they were blessing and hooting and hollering and Gerizim, where God really was, God is everywhere, with the stones of the altar, was in a place where they were preparing themselves for battle again. Are you willing How's your heart? Well, Pastor, you're meddling now. You're preaching. Are you talking about me? I'm talking about all of us. This applies to me as well as it does to you. And if you don't think that I've thought, uh, am I, how am I doing with this? And I admit that I've not always done a passionate pursuit. Sometimes what people do or don't do gets to me. Sometimes the enemy attacks and I I think why am I doing this? Why why don't we just rest? What do you do with those kinds? Is it a sin to have those kinds of thoughts? No. It's a sin not to take them captive and submit them to the obedience of Christ. How's your heart? How are you dealing with success? You know, I'm very grateful for things I don't want to miss the strategies of the Lord. We've never walked this way before. Yes, we've been in dozens of nations. Thanks be to God, He did this. He made it possible. We have lots to show for, for the fruits of our labors. God has given us family and allies and wonderful saints in many places around the earth. And I'm so thankful for them. We treasure you. But we've never been in this place. How do you deal? You know, COVID really made us look at ourselves and in some ways though it made it made um, it made us seek the lord some some people were afraid and boy did they seek the lord tithing was up during covid i can just tell you after 9 11 we had lots of people in the church a couple of weeks later where are they COVID strengthened us in some ways. We kept going. But in other ways, it made people lazy. I'm just saying it. You got used to not being where you were supposed to be. You got used to the convenience, the blessing of what we're dealing with right now, sending this forward. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just asking, how's your heart? How are you dealing with the success God's given in the spirit realm? And you know what? Some of you in that altar of success, you may be facing some challenges right now. Just as those guys did up on Ebal. What might those be happening for? To prod you to take a stand into war again. And to believe God again. What will the enemy say? Oh, you know, God is defeating me. You, You justify there in Shechem, in those two mountains, why God would send the altar of the perfect stones to a mountain that was called barren to wear out the saints, iniquity. Why would God send the altar there? Because the altar must keep moving from glory to glory, and it's up to you to do it. Boy, I'm preaching now. My point is that we're 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 in a good place. The world looks like it's going to hell quick, but we're in a good place. Darkness is there, but God's light is shining. And we're going to see some incredible victories. The Shalom is going forth. We're going to come back bringing our sheaves with us. Victory. This is God's work. It's not ours. And He is at the head of this army. He is the. He is the breaker at the head. The Paratz is going forward. But yet. Have you learned how to manage victory? This is something God's working in me. And, and I know He's wanting to work it in all of you. To whom much is given, much is required. Salem. God gives Solomon a perfect heart. And that heart remained perfect until his blessings overtook him and the wives of those nations that he was supposed to have conquered led him into debauchery and wickedness and then his heart was not perfect you know it's funny because you can see this derivative and i'm almost done you can see this derivative um, used like with Asa and with Hezekiah. See, Sandra, I brought Hezekiah into the discussion. You doubted me there for a minute, but I squeezed him in. He said to, to the Lord, Hezekiah did, you, you see all the ways that my heart has sought after you. He uses this word, and God heard him. But then there were kings whose heart was right before God, but they didn't do anything with the high places. How can those things correspond to each other? Well, the high places indicated whether the people were really following God or not. You know, our nation's strongest military in the world right now, still beating China, but our nation is divided. It's not at peace. Really, peace is wholeness. This word, peace, is wholeness. That's why um, when God gave the covenant of peace for the man, um, Jehuram, who ran the spear through those people that had disobeyed God and intermarried with the ites, God said, my covenant of peace is with you. Because there was an insistence on being whole and not corrupted. And when Manasseh and and uh, uh, the the tribes that w- didn't want to come over and help the rest of the tribes in the land, um, <laughs> they got a stern talking to by this guy. They said, hey, you get over here. We, we have to be whole. We have to be one, and you are you there. You don't come over here in your blessing and say, "Okay, I've got it now I don't need to fight anymore." You remember that story? Our nation who's blessed, God bless America. I mean, you look even look today at what's going on on our campuses, all those professors in Columbia who stood with Hamas, Columbia University. And now, uh, I in a way, I'm grateful that this is being shown because lots of major donors are saying I was okay with all this progressive nonsense until you started showing your true colors now I'm not going to fund you anymore I pray that God will reveal the wickedness I don't know whether this country is is ever going to become whole again indivisible certainly under God I don't know whether this country is going to have to know a real point of challenge. It seems like we're setting ourselves up for that, isn't it? Before the people will turn to God. Yes, we're standing for Israel right now, as we should. But, God, I look at our nation and I just think, we have really squandered the blessing of God. Is it too late? Well, it's not too late for what God has prophesied in His Word. And it's not too late for us who want to go forward with Him. But let's keep our heart perfect. Let's know how to deal with the blessings God has given us. Let's not jettison our covenant authority and the victories that God has won on our behalf. Perfect heart. Shechem, woman at the well. Mount Ebal, the oaks. Plains are the oaks of Moreh, the oaks of Shechem. Boy, this is us. This is the world. But thanks be to our mighty Lord That all this is shown in the word. It's no surprise to God. And God still looks for those. Who will lay on their face before him. And say. Here am I. Send me. God bless you all. We went late. Um, Sorry about that. We'll see you in just a few hours here in prayer. And until um, then. Goodbye. God bless all of you.